Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. As soon as I did climbing for the first time, I was like, this is sick. Like this sort of feeling of being free, using your body weight, problem solving, doing all that stuff. I was like, wow, this is so cool, man. Why has no one shown me this like from the get-go, from the jump? Welcome to the Adventure Podcast and episode 92 with Rotomi Odukoya. Rotomi grew up in London and spent the majority of his childhood outdoors, albeit within the confines of the city, as well as playing traditional sports to a high standard. Rotomi took up climbing a couple of years ago and almost accidentally created a club that has now grown into a community of black rock climbers. In this episode, we talk about Rotomi's childhood in inner city London, his exposure to the outdoors and how it was that he discovered and ultimately fell in love with rock climbing. This is a slightly shorter episode than usual. Um, Rotomi only had a small window to chat with me amongst his working day and caring for his baby son. Before we start, I just want to quickly ask for a bit of Adventure Podcast love. Um, If you're enjoying the podcast, then please do leave us a review on iTunes. They make the world of difference to our ability to reach a wider audience. Thank you very much. Okay, over to Rotomi Odakoya. If you could just start by introducing yourself. Um, who are you? Where are you from? What do you do? Whatever that means to you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, so my name is Rotomi Odakoya. I'm actually from Brixton. I grew up in Brixton, South London. Um, but I currently reside in West London. Um, I am 28. I'm a father. I'm a husband. And I am a founder of a climbing community called Climber. Nice. And professionally, what do you do? Professionally, what I do, I'm a UI UX um, designer. Yeah, wow, that that <laughs> that's a world I don't know much about. <laughs> yeah, um, I recently made a pivot. So I was doing software engineering for the last like two years. Then I went. I actually really like the creative side, I like the front end side, and the sort of user interaction side of it. Less so the coding. And so I made a pivot like a few months back, uh, and I've been doing it ever since. Cool. Yeah, and um. It's interesting that you list um, father, husband before anything else. Yeah, I mean, I mean, when it's it's for me, it's it's if I gave up everything, like if I didn't have career, didn't have climbing and stuff like that, that would be fundamental. Like that'd be my like who I am, you know, um, you know, especially when you have like a newborn child, and obviously you just. Congratulations to you, obviously. Uh, my my son actually just turned one, and just knowing that that's my new title, 
like before he was born, I was just like brother, friend, husband. But now I'm a father. It's like, wow. And we were just like seeing letters, like letters would come to the house, right? And it would say parent slash guardian of my son's name. I'm like, who's, who's the parent? Who's the guardian that needs to open this? Is it me? I said, yeah, it's me. And it's like, wow. I can't believe that. Like, it just, it just sort of opens you you up so so much like you're just like wow this is my responsibility like this is something i can't just be inconsistent with this is no matter how many how inconsistent i've been with like hobbies and 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 other ventures this was one thing i have to be like consistent with and i just i take that seriously so yeah it's important yeah that totally resonates yeah Yeah. it's one of those defining moments um so what was your childhood like growing up in Brixton? What was life like in London? London is just, London's so interesting. Like anytime I go outside of London, so read like two, four couple of years back, we bought a property in Kent. And like Kent in comparison to London, he's like, nah, I can't do this. I need to move back into London. So we moved back, we moved back to London. So growing up in London, it's just like, it's, it's busy. There's a busyness to London. There's like activity. There's like, there's danger and there's safety. There's like, um, London, you, you just, it's a culture. Like you can't like, you can't manufacture that culture. London is just your friend, your next door neighbor who grew up in the council estate is down the road, but you have a friend who lives in like this five bedroom house down, lives down the road. Like that, that, that disparity between the two is something that London just gives you. I'm pretty sure you could find out other cities. But for me, that was always been my experience where like we had like estates on the right hand side and like nice flats and and, and, and like 1.5 million pound houses around the corner. Um, and yeah, I, I just loved it. I just I love growing up in Brixton. I mean, at the time when I was growing up, it was notoriously known as being like terrible for crime and for like stabbings and all type of stuff like that. And navigating that when I was younger was 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 really interesting. You really had to be streetwise. Um, so I, w- <laughs> so my wife often asks me, sometimes I go in the tangent. So my wife often asks me, would you want your child to grow up like that? I was like, no, I want my child to grow up in like a bubble where he goes to a good privileged school. He doesn't know how, but I think there's also something really crucial about being in the sticks, in the mud and, and, you know, knowing how to sort of navigate life like that. Um, you know, knowing to read a situation be like, Hey, maybe I should go home today or maybe I should take a different route. Um, so yeah, Brixton really sort of molds you, I'd say. Um, Brixton is home for me, for sure. It sounds like it's a maybe kind of uh, difficult thing to say in a way because you're talking about the danger of it and the realities of life there. But like, yeah. it is an adventurous childhood, right? Yeah, hell yeah. You know, it's 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 very different to like a rural farm upbringing or something like that, but it is adventurous. Yeah. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, but I mean, not to you know, I won't talk about fatherhood too much because it will bore everyone to tears. But how <laughs> I, how are you going to navigate that, right? Because you do want that for your son, but you don't at yeah. the same time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, listen, everyone has choices. My 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 wife grew up in West London, and she's her her reality is completely different to mine. Like, she went to a really good school solid nuclear family, da, 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 X, Y, and Z. So 
I don't think you necessarily need to go through that path that when that I grew up in, in like sort of in the state, um, in Brixton and stuff like that. But I, I, I definitely feel for my son, I'm going to definitely try giving the best advice as possible. He has to experience some stuff, which obviously my advice can't even always extend to. Sometimes he just has to experience it himself. Um, and we'll just see. We'll see. I just, I try and navigate, protect him as much as possible as a father, but he's got his own life to live as well. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Hard to hard to let them do that though, eh? Yeah. But, um so did you as a child growing up in Brixton, like my, my London geography is dreadful. Like I get a nosebleed if I go south of Watford Gap. But um <laughs> do you, were you exposed to nature and the outdoors, if you see what I mean by that? Yes, I so I do you know what? It's so interesting. I think like my generation we was outdoors quite a bit. Outdoors was literally was literally going out and playing with our neighbours. Um, and that's being on the street, playing football in the street, getting football underneath the car. That was outdoors. So no one could say, you don't go outdoors for me. I was always outdoors. I didn't, concept, my concept of outdoors wasn't going to the Peak District and climbing. My concept of outdoors was just playing with my friends, with my neighbours. Uh, we would get chased by dogs or we would be playing with fireworks, all that type of stuff. And I had a like, adventure playground down the road for me. And I would go outdoors like that. And I'll play in a potential playground. We had swings. There was like mud. There was the table tennis center. And that was outdoors. Like the concept of outdoors wasn't sort of hiking or anything like that. It was just, it was outside. And being outside was was so fun because I knew my time outside was limited. If I needed to get water, if I went back to my home, my mom would not let me back in. So I knew I had to be very strategic when I went outdoors. So yeah, out, outdoors for me was was just that was playing with my friends outside. That's yeah, super interesting. And did it feel like it was enough? Yeah, it did. I didn't think I was missing anything. Um, I didn't think like I was missing out on anything at all. It was it was more than enough. It was like I was with my friends. When you're with your friends, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, it's enough. And now, and I'm not, you know, the truth is the right answer here. But now, looking back on it as an adult, was it enough? Ooh. Oh, that's that's a great question. Mm. Probably not because I didn't travel until I think my first time on the plane was when I was 17, 18. And I know for some people it's quite quite late. Some people start traveling as soon as soon as they're born. Um but yeah, I, I'd probably say it wasn't enough in terms of like having a more holistic view on the world and seeing things and doing more adventure stuff no but at the time you, you don't know any better but I guess yeah to your question as an adult perhaps it was enough because I, I feel like different views and, and different experiences would shape you differently as well um, and do you travel now yeah 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 yeah, yeah. like for wedding like we went to, to a couple months ago we went to Greece and Cyprus which was really fun. And just even in in the UK, so going to the Peak District for me um, last year for the first time was really fun. You know, that was me, that's me exploring, seeing the nature and stuff like that. Uh, and then in a part of the pandemic, actually, um, in 2020, we went cycling. And cycling gives you another sense. It's traveling and there's a freedom to it. And we did it as a group, as a community. And we went to like London to Brighton cycling. And you just see, wow. <laughs> just the nature the air is different you breathe different as well and that sense of freedom you get um you can't really replicate 
um, at all. And so when, I mean, were you sporty growing up? Yeah, I, proper, proper. I, my, my sister and I, we started playing tennis. Some guy came to my primary school um, and gave some leaflets out. And I showed it to my mum. Mum was really into tennis. She loves Venus and Serena Williams and the whole Williams family. And yeah, we, we started playing tennis at a local park called Brockwell Park in sort of Tulsa slash Brixton Hill. Um, so I grew up playing that. But tennis is such an expensive sport unfortunately um and it's hard to find even though i have my sister involved it's hard to find someone who's really interested in tennis like to really develop in tennis you need someone who's like yeah you need like a sibling and it's always easy if you have a sibling um uh even though i had a sibling my sister just wasn't interested in tennis like that um so i i played it up until like the age of like 16 um did fairly i'm fairly decent at it um then i played basketball growing up in secondary school i played that for like national league level um and then i found calisthenics as well there's a guy in brixton called terrell lewis who runs brixton street gym and every saturday he would have like a link up at brockwell park and you get tons of people around the area um, young youths and we would just learn like pull-ups dips um all like a proper community feel as well was great um but yes i always been really sporty football as well in like secondary school um so yeah it's so interesting for for me to kind of listen to because it's something i was well not not exposed to but just like the community side of sport is something i've never really experienced yeah and it you know and i think obviously we'll talk about that um through the climbing stuff but i can see how big an impact that would have on somebody when it's a community thing rather than just getting out and you know doing something on your own yeah um, so where did climbing play into it all climbing came to what year were you 2023 or two years well coming up to three actually 2019 um i was at a boot camp called makers academy this is a boot camp which i helped me transition to become a software engineer and at that boot camp, they used to go climbing like once a week. And I was like, I pay no attention to it. And my friend said, one of my friends in the cohort said, hey, let's go climbing. And I was obviously going to the gym at that time. So I was like, oh, yeah, I, was, I think I was learning how to do a handstand. So I was very much getting into like body weight movement. And as soon as I did climbing for the first time, I was like, this is sick. Like this sort of feeling of being free, using your body weight, problem solving, uh, and I, I'm still stiff right now, but my like hip mobility was weak. It's terrible but then. It's much, it's improved then. But like doing all that stuff, I was like, wow, this is so cool, man. Why has no one shown me this like from the get go, from the jump? Because um, I remember saying to myself when I was younger, I really, I watched Billy Elliot. I was like, shit, I want to do like ballet. That stuff is cool. <laughs> all that sort of movement. I was like, right, yeah, that's. Just... But you just no one gave me the opportunity to do it. Uh, so when I did climbing for the first time, I was like, whoa, this is so cool. Because um, it, it didn't feel like he was working out. But it also felt like he did feel like my forearms were finished. I felt like I, was wor- I worked out, but I was like, this is so fun. Um, so that's how climbing came in. And that was while you were away, you know, on the boot camp. When yeah. you then got home, you know, what did you do about it? Um, uh, do you know what I've, what happened was organic, organically you just post on social media you're like hey i'm doing some a new hobby um and my friend said hey next time you go can we go with you or well, where is this place 
Um, and I just went, I, went, I think I went again by myself on a Saturday. Uh, and the next Saturday, my friends said, hey, let's go together. So we just created like a WhatsApp group. And from a WhatsApp group, we just said, hey, let's, let's make this a thing. So <laughs> I said, like, we need a name, we need a logo. So I started designing a name and logo, which became Climber, and creating an Instagram page. And then we just said, hey, if anyone wants to come climbing with us, come climbing with us. Um, and then people just started to come. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. But it's, uh, there's so much to talk around it, but um, that whole permission thing, like you said a minute ago, and you know, no one gave me permission. Yeah. You then, you know, had that opportunity through that boot camp. but then why is it you think people need permission in order to, go for the first time i don't think it's so much permission i think it's more so awareness um what i realize a lot of the time even now with my community is that you know us being visibly out there as a community that's open that says hey well welcome if you're a newbie come join us gives people almost like a safe space to try something quite terrifying but in more of a controlled environment when you have, when you have a community. Um, and, and I feel a lot of the times, like if you feel particularly, like this is something that doesn't impact me, but like if you go to a space where it's just full of people who don't look like you, you sometimes feel uneased, um, you know, if that's your personality type. If you feel, for me, I don't care what the space is, I'll try it. Like, um, hence the reason I went back and we're like, oh, right. the climbing community is proper, like safe. Like you, you feel welcome. It's, it's so, proper social compared in comparison to the gym where like someone can see you struggling and maybe not say anything, or you can see someone like 10 times and they won't even you give you sort of the head nod or acknowledgement or anything like that. Whereas the climbing environment, people say hi, people say hello. There's like a, there's very, there's an openness to it. Um, so I don't think it was permission. I think it's just a case where sometimes when something's new, you, there's a hesitancy there and you just need, you just need something which you're, which looks familiar to you to feel, to feel okay to do. If that makes sense? I probably didn't articulate yeah. it, right, but yeah, that's what No, it, yeah, it did make sense. And like, you know, I'll, I'll be, I mean, I grew up in, you know, a part of England where at my school, there were only two people in my school who weren't white. Right. So, you know, so if I were to then go to, you know, to go play tennis or go play basketball and everyone else is black or Asian, I'm going to subconsciously, I am, I know I am as much as I would love to pretend that that isn't the case. It's going to make me go, Oh, I probably don't fit in here. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and obviously that, you know, I'm a white guy, right? Like I'm not 
that stuff doesn't really affect me because it doesn't happen. Mm. So, it, it, you know, and I think it's only through having done a few of these podcasts and spoken to people about it that actually I start to realize, oh, like, is it accessible? Is it welcoming? Is it inviting? Yeah. Um, and I think, well, you know, maybe we'll talk about the outdoor stuff in a second. But so you would say indoor climbing is accessible or isn't? I mean, just with everything, there's always like various entries for some people. So like price could be a, a point where it becomes inaccessible for some point. Because climbing is expensive. I won't lie to you. <laughs> it's it's that expensive if, you think, if you're doing it like weekly, if you don't get like a, a monthly pass or anything like that. It can be really pricey. Um, but in all, it is accessible. Um, in terms of location, in terms of like there's so many climbing walls in, in London right now. Um, what, what else? In terms of like, in terms of the technical barrier to entry, like it isn't like tennis, for instance, where you need like a tennis coach. Um, you can need a coach, but like you need a tennis coach, you need to, to get racket, and it's like the price point's really high just to get equipment. Whereas climbing is a lot cheaper. The technical barrier to the entry, you could do really easy climbs. We you, you enjoy go for the first time as well. So it's, it's, it is more accessible than other sports, I would say. And how do you think setting up Climber has impacted that group of people in that community? Uh, I think no one wants to be alone in life. I'll, I'll be honest with you. Like we have a massive issue in the UK about loneliness and, and community. If you get, anyone who comes to our community, we make them feel like they're part of a family. Like there's a sense where like, you don't feel like you've just joined for the first time. You feel like you've been here for a minute. Like you, you've been here since we started, like I feel um, a community makes you feel, again, using the word safe, like safe, like you feel like you know these people, you feel like you can, you can fail comfortably, like you don't have to be fail and be embarrassed. And even if you are embarrassed, we laughed it off, you should dust, uh, dust the dirt off your shoulder, you go again. And yeah, I think it's impacted people because it's opened up people to a, a huge network. Like every week I meet someone new, right? And how often can you say that? Like we often do, our lives are often so mundane that we do the same thing over again. And we don't meet strangers or we're scared to speak to strangers. And I think for me, it's impacted me in that sense that I've met a whole cohort of people who I would have never met before all because they want to come climbing with us. Um, so I think it's, it's impacted me, but also impacted those people as well. Yeah. That's so interesting. And how many people now have become involved? So we have, I've, so over the last three years, we've done probably, we've had like 300 people sort of come to our sessions, um, which is nuts to me. Um, and then we have like a membership as well. We, we've now got a paid membership because we've now set up deals on like climbing walls and stuff. Um, and we have like over 40 plus members in our, in our, in our paid membership as well. So That's amazing. And, what are your ambitions for it? Everyone asks me that. I, listen, listen. <laughs> um, I just wanted to grow. I just really want to get, introduce more people into climbing because I really love the sport. And I think it's it's similar to just my seeing people try for the first time and seeing that reaction every time we do it and get to the top and climb makes me really happy. It's definitely a confidence booster in them, but also in me knowing this is such a cool thing that we've set up. It's a little initiative. Hopefully we can explore to more cities and, and go across to places like Africa um, and, and sort of countries in like South Africa, Kenya and Nigeria, where I'm from, where there isn't 
well, there is in Kenya there is a sort of climbing community, but Nigeria, where I'm from, there really isn't. There's a there's no climbing wall in Nigeria. Um, I recently just heard there is a climbing wall in Sierra Leone, which I'd love to go see as well. I like to just go explore, do more outdoor stuff as well, and climbing just be like the foundation for us, right? So we do climbing, and then climbing can be snowboarding or, or surfing, do all types of outdoor sports as well. So. Um, and hopefully like we can build a community out to be more confident to do more outdoor sports. Because um, climbing indoors and climbing outdoors is completely different as well. Yeah, I was gonna ask you about that. I mean that's the perfect segue. Like, have you climbed much outside and does the does the group and the community? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've climbed we've been to the peak two or three times, uh in Sheffield, which is really good. Um it's it's great, it's so different. It's, people react differently as well. Some people say they really love the outdoors. Some people, depending on the weather as well, because we got like flying ants, which were killing us <laughs> when we went. Um, and yeah, they loved it. Most majority, majority of my community loved it. Um, and then I went to North Wales, Gogoff, and I did like a 50 feet like cliff um, off the sea. It was just nuts. We had to abseil down. I was, I was taken by a guy called Jed and Dave. Um, Jed runs the London Hangar. Um, amazing guy, great guy. Um, and they literally, yeah, it was such a terrifying experience, but it's one of those experiences. Once I did it, I was like, I'm not scared of nothing. Like <laughs> I could do, we went like a few weeks afterwards. I went go ape. I was like, what is go ape? What is this? Like I've done like 50 feet cliff and I've settled down and I didn't think I was going to make it back up because my forearms were so pumped. So Yeah. Outside is outside is what we would have planned to do a lot more this year. And it's a different thing, right? It's not better, it's not worse. It's just a different thing. It's different, yeah, it's different. It's different. So, I mean, you know, it's almost, it's better to talk about what you've done rather than what you want to do. But in terms of outdoor climbing, what's the ambition? Is it to boulder or is it to get into proper, you know, hardcore traditional climbing? I think track climbing is so cool. It's just so cool. It's just so cool. Um, I have, I'll be honest, I'm up for anything. If it, someone calls me today, says, bro, to me, do you want to do this? I say yes. Uh, and, I, and I think that's how I sort of go about life nowadays. Um, so I, I have no, like, direct ambitions or goals. Like, But if somebody asks me, hey, this brand wants you to do this, would you do it? I say yes. Yeah. 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 This and so uh, I'm just super curious because it I get quite inspired by people who start movements, whether it's by accident, whether it's you know a WhatsApp group that turns into something, whether it's intentional. Like, what do you you know you're in your twenties, right? What yeah. do you want to do with your life? That's a great, great, great question. In my life could be speaking to my wife. If it could be climbing, so climbing community. YouTube, because I really love YouTube. When I was 17, I had like a... So when I was 17, I actually dropped out of college and I had like a YouTube channel where I used to sort of like vlog about my life as a college dropout and investing. So I'm a heavy... I really love investing and sort of crypto and, and stocks and shares and F uh, FX and stuff like that. If that could be my life, uh, as well as my church community as well, then I'm I'm happy. Yeah, if that can sustain me, I'll be happy. There's a, I'll send you a link, but I did a podcast with Tom Randall, one of the white boys. Okay. He used to be, uh, he used to be, um, a trader. 
Oh, really? He left trading to become a climber and he reckons that it's like the perfect personality crossover. Yeah. Um, so anyway, interesting guy. You know, you're obviously quite a confident person. You grew up sporty. You know, you've kind of a self-starter go-getter. What what advice would you give to people or what would you say to people who are thinking, well, hang on, that's not me or, no, nah, I couldn't do climbing. You know, I'm not strong enough. I'm not fit enough. Uh, that could be true. But you have to find out if it's true. <laughs> you have to find... You have to find... Literally, in all things in life, you have to try. Um... So, yeah, you just have to try. You literally have to find out whether those limitations you place on yourself are actually true, right? You actually say, oh, wait, actually, if I go to the climbing wall, maybe it isn't all about upper body. Maybe it's a lot about lower body, mobility, movement, you know, problem solving. A lot of things that people don't see um, when you when look at climbing. And hopefully those myths can be debunked if you come down to one of our sessions and show you that, right, actually... Climbing is a lot of fun and there's always grades which you can do, which can build up your confidence. I'm always a fan of like doing like low hanging fruits because, you know, sometimes you need to get the confidence before you go out to that really hard climb where you're like struggling at the cracks or something like that. Um, so the advice I would give is just like test those limitations you place on yourself. Like, why do you think that's the case? Why is your mindset that um, feeling that you can't do something and just try Honestly, we only have one life, one body. Um, you just got to try. Yeah. With that in mind, do you want to come winter climbing in Scotland? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I'm down, totally. Cool. So just to close then, I always ask everybody the same two questions. Um, interpret them however you want. But what scares you? Oh, um, not being a good dad. Yeah, not being a good dad. Just because... Uh, no, I'm not, I'm not going to go there. Just because... Uh, sometimes a lot of your decisions are... That you make as a, like an adult and as a father is... You kind of reflect on your own upbringing. And either be, you go, hey, I want to make my upbringing that I had uh, be similar to, to my child's upbringing. Or you go, hey, I want to sort of move away from what I had and try to do something else. Um, and I, I listen, I love my parents. I think my parents did a fantastic job. Um, but there's also, I think everyone has, what am I trying to say here? Because I don't want to, <laughs> basically, yeah, let me just stick with that. I, um, making sure that I'm a good dad. Yeah, it's not, it's not yeah well look i mean i won't make it too personal or whatever this side but my my grandma grew up in a house without an inside toilet you know oh, wow. like as a cleaning lady then my mum grew up in that house and then she was the first person to go to university so it's not i don't know i think about that a lot like am i criticizing yeah. my parents when i think about the upbringing i had like i didn't go to private school i wasn't privileged but now i get it's all that just that level up isn't it like i get yeah. to give my daughter something that i didn't have yeah stuff yeah. that my grandparents never dreamt their great granddaughter would have right it's just yeah yeah, yeah 100%. so yeah i hear what you're saying you know yeah it's less yeah. about criticism more about growth yeah 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 that's what i'm trying to say that's it <laughs> <laughs> um yeah 
And uh, what brings you hope? What brings me hope? Um, I'm a Christian, so um, the Bible, knowing knowing that like my faith, uh, I'm placing my faith in in God in, in Christ, that gives me hope. That gives me reassurance. Um, yeah, I'll say that, I'll say that for sure. Amazing, cool. We'll leave it there. Thanks, man. Wicked, man. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about Climber and Rotomy at clmbxr.co.uk. That's clmbxr.co.uk. The podcast is a Cold House production and is hosted by Matt Pycroft. It's produced and distributed by Ola Omori and Alex Hall. You can keep up to date on Instagram at The Adventure Podcast. And if you'd like to get in touch, then you can email us at info at theadventurepodcast.co.uk.